Welcome to Pop Culture Roulette for all your pop culture needs. We're America's spookiest podcast. Ooh. <laughs> all right. Welcome, everybody. I'm Nicholas. I'm joined by uh, a guy who believes we are in a total recall style major, uh, simulation, and he's just eagerly awaiting Arnold Schwarzenegger to wake him up, telling him to get to Mars. Uh, True. Jeremy. True. <laughs> and uh, we're also joined by a guy who's just eagerly awaiting to open, uh, wake up in Arnold Schwarzenegger's arms, Justin. I mean, someone's got to save us from this harsh reality. <laughs> All right, everybody. So uh, we are, what, two days into, three days into our Halloween marathon? Oh, yeah, we are one, two, three days in. This is our... our, We're going strong. Yeah, hopefully hopefully at this point we are going strong. We haven't, you know, if we miss early, that's going to be bad. (laughs) Yeah. Bad precedent. So hopefully here in a couple weeks you'll you'll be joining us for for day 30, 31 of, of everything and you know, helping us round out this this fun marathon. Who, uh, you know, Jeremy swears we won't do it again, but uh, he also said that last year. So this time for real, <laughs> it, he has hired me to uh, to talk some common sense into him. If he starts bringing it up again next year, I am supposed to uh, talk him out, talk him off the ledge. All right, because I'll talk him into it. I'm just <laughs> if he says let's do it, I'm going to be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Well, whoever can come here first in around May, that's when my brain will probably start thinking about it. <laughs> Next May is when it, yeah, the ideas right, well, form. We'll, we'll send Justin back to Hawaii in May. <laughs> All right. Well, so today we we're starting off our spooky season by talking about the subject of today's episode, which I mean, I, I on a lot of other podcasts, they always give this giant big intro. But it literally says it in the title. We're like, oh, we're going to do this interview with this. And then it goes on for like 20 minutes about this special. And then then finally says the name. And you're like, yeah, but like it's already in the title. Like it's right Right. there. Yeah. So you already know what we're going to talk about. But today we're going to talk about somebody who's been gender bended. He's been a hero. He's been a villain. He's a horror icon. Oh, a comedy legend. Wow. Um. Elements of this story have been stolen heavily for weird science, reanimator, you name it, they've been done. He's a, he's a kid's movie star. He has met Al- Abbott and Costello, Holy Jesse James, cow. the Scooby-Doo gang. We are talking about Frankenstein's monster. Woo! Uh, what a, what yeah, I didn't know how to follow that up. That's a better intro for a fictional character that we will ever get, I think, at the beginning of Pop Culture Roulette. Oh, yeah, because I'm just going to do whatever I can to <laughs> make fun of you guys. Uh, but a legend like Frankenstein's monster deserves so much more. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, all right. So Frankenstein's monster comes from Frankenstein, subtitle, or the modern Prometheus. It was published in... 
on January 1st, 1818, written by Mary Shelley. She began writing it around the age of 18 and finished it when she was 20. Oh, wow. Which, let's think about that for a second. Yeah, um, what, what have we accomplished in our lives? Right. I mean, now, granted, you're setting yourself a high bar out, out the gate, like, you know, bam. Like, you know, your first thing is that. Like, 1818, we are now just over 200 years later. And we are still talking about Frankenstein's monster, or Frankenstein himself. And all of the elements of that. There have been hundreds, if not thousands, of movies and TV shows based off of some element of this story. And she did it when she was 18. Like <laughs> simpler times back then, I guess. Well, well people and, uh, died early, so she was like, I gotta hurry. <laughs> oh, that is true. I mean, you know. Yeah, she was ha- she was middle aged, I guess. Right, yeah. Point. When she was, I guess, eighteen then was like you know forty five now. So yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. You got you got to think of inflation on those numbers. Right, right. But you know, it uh, it, it's still impressive nonetheless. It's impressive that it that an eighteen to twenty year old could write the story that 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 she wrote. I mean, just thinking about like the time era of, of you know. 1818, 1816 to 1818. Um, I just, I mean, it's mind blowing when you think about like just what's happened in the world in the last 200 years that she was able to write something that's still, you know, usable today and not just like antiquated. Like you can very easily modernize it, be like, yeah, look, it still works. Like, yeah. yeah. If only she could see it now. I wonder what she would say quite honestly like yeah well it just like, so happens we have a ouija board with us and we're going to contact mary shelley <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean when, when if she watched the monsters you know where where herman monster uh, you know the you know a a obvious ripoff of the frankenstein like would she be like this is great like this is where i saw you know this is this is an awesome use of my my character <laughs> or would she be like the fuck are you people doing yeah <laughs> you ruined my art i think okay. i think it i think it depends on how big the royalty check is <laughs> that is true and i'm i'm guessing i'm guessing much like most of our topics from last year every bit of frankenstein's monster is public domain um, you know i'm sure that like the universal monster version of him is probably still copyrighted but that doesn't stop me from making my own version as long as I don't make him look exactly or, you know, too close to Universal's Frankenstein monster, which brings us to the next point. Now, it has just become like commonplace that people just call that monster Frankenstein. Right. But, yeah. but at no point in the book has he ever been given a name. He is always referred to as it or he or monster or, you know, there's there's a whole list of things. So I know know how he feels. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's, you know, so, I you know, it's interesting. But I mean, it's one of those like, I guess, kind of like how Dracula has kind of become a catch all for vampire. Like, right. Yeah. You know, where Dracula is a very singular vampire vampires as a whole. But, you know. Or band aid <laughs> refers to all, you know, 
plastic or whatever bandages, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Well, has so. it gotten to the point yet with Frankenstein where if you hear someone say it, you're just like, whatever. You just, you don't not even gonna like. <laughs> you pretty much know that they probably know. It's just like right. I'm just gonna say this because it's just it's, it is what it, it is. Yeah, it's just easier. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't want to be that guy. You know that. <laughs> Actually, you know, <laughs> what you're referring to is Frankenstein's monster. Um, <laughs> he has never been officially given a name. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's a, a big hit at the Halloween party. If you start to do, <laughs> do uh, that, <laughs> go up to all the people dressed as Frankenstein's. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> no, I'm Frankenstein. No, you're not. You're Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Get out. Tester's <laughs> not getting invited back next year. <laughs> all right. So the first film. That uh, that anybody has reference to is a silent film from 1910, just simply titled Frankenstein. Um, it was written and directed by J. Searle Dooley. Daly, I can't read my own handwriting. Um, it was considered lost until sometime in 1980, when a private collector found it, uh, and he had a, apparently had bought it sometime in the 50s. And didn't realize how uh, important it was or how valuable it was because he just was like, oh, well, I just have this thing. What do you mean nobody has a copy of it? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Which uh, makes me wonder, like, how many lost films are like that? Like, they're just in a private vault somewhere or in a back room, you know, because, I mean, well, every, every couple of years, I mean, like with Doctor Who. Like there's all there's all these lost episodes, and every so often they'll be like, "Yeah, we found a storage shed at the BBC office somewhere in Mumbai. Uh, we actually found like 20 copies of these episodes we thought were lost. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. We, we you should imagine that you just find a box like that, right? Like, oh, what's this box in my shed? Oh, I forgot I had these. <laughs> Oops. Uh, we should do a whole episode on lost media sometime. That'd be fun. We should. I mean, I, I feel like we might have done it in the old days, but let's redo it. Where <laughs> all right, you know, we're better at it now than we were then. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> slightly. Um, well, we like to pretend we're better at it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. All right. Um, That's a first... wicked, uh, wicked look for this Frankenstein, by the way, in this 1910 adaptation. Oh yeah. Well, well, let's we'll get to that here in a second okay. because. Um, Right. All right. Actually, we're talking about that right now. The first sound film, the first movie that had sound to it was the 1931 Universal Pictures uh, Frankenstein, directed by James Whale, where Boris Karloff played Frankenstein's monster. Um, that's that classic, you know, square head, greenish skin, you know, uh, stitches, scars all over the place, the bolts in the neck. Um the, the the image of Frankenstein that everybody has now was given to us from 1931. Oh, yeah. Um, the, that's the classic. That's what everybody associates with, with the monster. Where if you, <laughs> apparently, if you read the book, and I've never actually read the book. I should probably read it one of these days. Um, if you read that book, um, that version from 1910 or the Kenneth Branagh, 1993 1994 version 
uh, with when Robert De Niro played the monster is slightly more accurate. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Because it's not like, I don't know. I mean, well, because they were like, Universal or, or James Whale had an image and like he didn't really follow the story. I mean, he had the beats, but you know, uh-huh. kind of like mo- my, most stuff, like, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, we got it. We know what you meant. Because <laughs> I, I guess in the book, they never directly say that, that Frankenstein used electricity or lightning to bring his creation to life. He just used science. Okay, I got uh, Okay. Interesting. So it was it was just a, a matter of like I think movies and TV have been like, well, this is more fun or makes things look cooler. Sure. Or oh. you know, you gotta have a way to like you know, you've stitched this character together. How are you gonna bring him back to life? You're not just gonna use defibrillator paddles, you're gonna you're gonna shock him with light or you know, back in nineteen thirty one, I don't even know if defibrillator paddles existed. Right. I, I didn't do a research on that because that's not <laughs> what this topic is. So, you know, maybe then like they were just like, well, if you get struck by lightning, you come back to life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Makes sense. If, if you're alive, it kills you. If you're dead, it brings you back to life. Obviously. Yeah. I don't see any flaws with that argument. <laughs> well, I think I definitely would agree with the studio here. I like the 1931 look much better. Uh, I feel like he actually kind of looks a little dopey in the 1910 version. Yeah, I mean, have you, as either of you, seen the the, the Kenneth Branagh 1993 1994 Frankenstein movie? Mm-mm. The one okay, with yeah. the one with De Niro. Yeah, the one with De Niro, where De I'm, Niro plays the monster. I've never seen it all the way through. I I saw it back then. I don't know if I've seen it since. I honestly kind of forgot that it existed until i started doing research and i was like oh yeah that was pretty good i did like that i need to rewatch that but then i didn't bother to look up to see if it was anywhere oh that's interesting that's a that's a unique look the de niro look yeah so he's yeah. just basically like a dude but some patched together parts of his face right yeah because i guess that part is pretty accurate to the book that he you know that that the doctor took, you know, various different corpses and kind of stitched parts back together, um, and then you know through some obscure reference to science brought him back to life. And you know, sure, because he was he was looking for like immortality, I think. But um, what's what's really interesting though, when I was doing the research and I found this out, the first stage production was in London in 1823. So barely like, you know, it was published in 1818. So five years after the book was published, like it had been so, like it had gotten so popular that um, people were like, let's put it on as a play. That's amazing. Because obviously they didn't have uh, movies back then, which kind of makes me wonder like how many other like old famous books from, that time period were like like because i guess plays would have been the version of because we don't really i mean we have plays but they don't necessarily translate the way that we do anymore now we're like you put a book and we make a movie out of it right but i guess right. back then it was like you put out a book we make a play out of it <laughs> right um, how many people were sitting around going like the play version sucks i can't believe they did it again the book, well, the book was better <laughs> <laughs> i guarantee you 
they were basement dwelling nerds back in 1823 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. living in their parents basement going to whatever version of comic book stores existed back then <laughs> oh did you see did you go to that play at, at the barrister house last night oh the book was so much better <laughs> uh, but that play was called presumption the uh, subtitle or the fate of frankenstein hmm. um, i guess mary shelley herself actually caught uh at least one performance of it it did not say what her opinion of it was but yeah i was just thinking that she died in 1851 yeah so i mean she definitely saw her creation go on to be very famous and very popular i mean it was it was not a super big hit with the critics um, because much like sci-fi now, like sci-fi has a very loyal, very dedicated fan base. And, and we, we as the sci-fi nerds love our sci-fi, but we know that the critics don't for whatever reason. Yeah. So sci-fi and superheroes, sci-fi. And, su- and so much like that, apparently that has never changed. If you're a professional critic, you have to shit on things that, you know, the common man likes, but I guess, it was an immediate hit with the common, you know, the common folk, you know, so much so that they were making big stage, you know, big stage productions of it five years later. Um, the, I was looking for any sort of reference to when Frankenstein's monster started crossing over vampires. Cause you know, we've gotten, you know, Van Helsing, that movie with Hugh Jackman. I, well, I was about to say about four or five years ago, but that was probably actually what, 15 20 years ago at this point <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean there there's there's con- there's all sorts of references to you know uh, frankenstein and dracula meeting up or teaming up or fighting against each other but the earliest reference i could find was a burlesque musical from 1887 um called frankenstein or the vampire's victim hmm. To which I thought, what a weird concept. A burlesque musical about Frankenstein meeting up with a vampire. Right. Yeah. I mean, a burlesque oh, musical hard. is pretty weird to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'd... But then to add monsters into it. Right. Mix, yeah. yeah. So so was, was there a was it a woman Frankenstein? I don't know. I mean because <laughs> when i when i think burlesque there's a certain image that i have mm-hmm. you know yeah. um right, right. somebody somebody like dita von Teese, you know right or, right yeah that that's you know kind of like the, they don't go all the way it's not like a strip show so like you're not going to like the peeler bar you know for our canadian <laughs> fans um <laughs> you know so you're not getting full nude it's it's more of the the tease you know you know, kind of the Frankenstein you know. dancing with the big fan of feathers. Right. Yeah. I, it just seems uh, <laughs> slowly unscrolling a bolt. Oh. Unfortunately, for for because it was 1887, there's not a lot of. I mean, there wasn't. Uh, I don't even. I'm sure. I don't even know if cameras existed in 1887. I don't know. I, don't I think know. maybe they did, but there wasn't a lot of written down media other than like the fact that it existed. So, yeah, um, but it seems like, I mean, considering from 1818 to 1887, 
it seems like relatively short period of time they were like hey these monsters should like team up and and you know we've got the werewolf series coming in a couple weeks you know to drop a little hint for what we're doing um i'll have to do some research into how soon into the whole mythos of vampires and frankenstein's monster did the where did werewolves start crossing over with them because i know werewolves are more of a because like like vampires they have more of a folk history and more of a you know, an organic, like, oh, this happens in real life. Well, Frankenstein's monster, we can definitively say, was created in 1880. Right. You know, we know who created it. We know who wrote it. And, you know, and the fact that, like, I mean, I think it, it should be noted, a woman created Frankenstein's monster it, over just over 200 years ago. You know, so, you know, I think that's something very important. Um, Frankenstein's monster. Also has been a Marvel character off and on since 1953. Um, he's had his own <laughs> series. He's had his own series, just called Frankenstein's Monster. Okay. Or, or he has appeared. He has fought with or against the Avengers, Spider-Man, <laughs> Iron Man. He was in Tomb of Dracula. He joined the Howling Commandos for a little while. Uh, he he teamed up with Howard the Duck, Nighthawk, and She-Hulk. What? To take down a rampaging man thing in <laughs> beer itself a couple years ago, so wow. it's possible that we might see Frankenstein's monster show up in the MCU. Oh, that'd be awesome! <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's a Disney Plus show. You know, but if they were smart, that's what they got to do. Does he speak in the comics, or does he just? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he he. I mean, I think it's there's been a progression of you know the the bump kind of like the progression of the the, the character just from the <laughs> to because even in the book, like he's he's kind of poetic and, and has a a sense of not necessarily. Sense, I don't even know if he has a sense of right or wrong, but he he has kind of a you know a poetic mind. He speaks and, and so in you know. At the beginning of the thing, he's just fire bad. You know? mm -hmm. By the end, like as he kind of comes back to life. Um, all right. So, what is your top three Frankenstein monster in pop culture? Okay. Do you, how do we want to do this? Back and forth, or all at once? So we'll just all speak at once. It's <laughs> all right. We'll no, say I one, mean, two, three, and we'll all just start rambling over no, each other. I meant like go down the list all at once or like our picks back and forth. Um, I guess we can just Jeremy, <laughs> why don't you kick us off and give us your top three? All right. So first one is Frankenstein wastes a minute of our time <laughs> from Conan O'Brien. <laughs> it was a reoccurring little quick segment where I don't know the dude's name, but someone that worked on the show would come out dressed as Frankenstein and really committed to the bit of like the camera would follow him and he would just show the audience something that was completely stupid, like a gum under the seat or like, <laughs> this is our fire extinguisher. <laughs> was it, was it the guy who normally was the, the Conan guy? They just put him in like a, a Frankenstein costume. I think so. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, that, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I remember that. I, 
I used to watch the hell out of Conan. And he would always, when, especially when he was the late late show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a good bit. He would always try to like to not laugh, but maintain the Frankenstein like. So he'd be like <laughs> laughing while doing that. <laughs> so that was my first one. Uh, next is Frankenstein in the Monster Squad because I love that movie. Okay. All right. Uh, but he's you know have you guys seen the Monster Squad? Yes, I watched that yeah. for the first time last year. Okay, all right. So I can say that uh, he's a hero in this film. He saves the day after Dracula calls the little girl a bitch, <laughs> which is a great movement in the film. <laughs> it, wasn't that crazy. also like a TV show too back in the, what was it, like the 70s, 80s? I don't know if they were related. I think they just had the same name. Because I know there was the Monster Squad TV show. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of like the Ghostbusters thing. There was the Ghostbusters TV show and then the obviously much better 80s movie. And they weren't they had to like legally figure out a way to use the same title because mm-hmm. they weren't related I, to each I, other. I think the TV show still had like Frankenstein, Dracula. I don't remember who was all in it, but I believe and I think it had a werewolf. I'm going to hit the google later real quick Hmm. well i know i know there's i know for for jeremy there's that documentary the werewolf got hit got my nards or hit my nards there's a there's a really uh, supposed to be a really good documentary sweet uh, i think i think i just saw it on like i was flipping through tubi yesterday watching some stuff and i think i think i saw that tubi has it oh cool i'll have to check that out yeah it was uh 1976 NBC show that had 13 episodes. Mm. Was it related to the movie or does it say? Um, it looks a lot like the same kind of stuff. Oh, all right. Hmm. All right. So what's your, there's a 30 minute TV show that, uh, when, Trouble uh, trouble arises. Three monster wax figures come to life to battle evil. Oh, all right. Sounds like a interesting show. Um, all right. what's, your, what's your number three? Number three is the Lego minifig simply entitled The Monster from 2011, which is pretty awesome recreation of Frankenstein's monster. Uh, it has some really adorable band-aids covering its head. And uh, it looks pretty, pretty monstrous. So that's my pick. I have t- two runner-ups too, but I can save them for the end. Oh. Okay. All right, Justin, what are your top three? All right. Uh, the number one I put down was uh, Peter Boyle as the, okay. mon- as the monster in Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein. Of course. Yeah, knowing my love of Mel Brooks, that shouldn't really be a surprise. Right. I do have that autographed Young Frankenstein poster on my wall. So that's definitely going to be number one for me. Came out in 1974. As I know you guys have seen oh. that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Favorite yeah. favorite moment from that movie? Uh, either the the what knocker scene after they got done rolling in the hay, or the putting on the Ritz. Oh yeah, I just I love the uh, I got the brain from Abby Normal. Abnormal. <laughs> Ab- Abby's, yeah. Abby something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know the whole putting on the rich scene 
um, was written by Gene Wilder. Oh, really? And Mel Brooks wanted to cut it until Gene Wilder fought for it. And he's like, okay, it's this. He's like, I just want to see how passionate you were about it. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, moving down, I have uh, Fred Gwynn's adaptation of Herman Munster from the Munsters, which ran from 1964 to 1966. Uh, they did 70 episodes in that two-year run. And the only reason it got canceled was because it had a huge drop in the ratings because the second season was when uh, ABC re- premiered Batman. Mm. So it ran at the same time as Batman. So Batman killed the monsters. Okay. And then the third one I put was the uh, Frankenstein from Monsters in My Pocket, which was a 1992 Nintendo NES game where you would be Frankenstein, the Wolfman, or Dracula because they teamed up to battle other <laughs> other little pint-sized monsters. Nice. Like goblins, and I don't know if you ever played it. You fight a, mouse, a monster in a freezer. Uh, they played it all the time on Nick Arcade. It was always one of the ones that was available to do the Wizards Challenge with. <laughs> and the kids it's, sucked at it. <laughs> oh, Excellent game. Me and my sister played it all the time when we were kids. So it kind of holds a special spot. That's cool. And that also, they also, the Monsters in My Pocket brand also had trading cards, comic books, toys, board games, a clothing line, uh, kites, stickers. So that one's special. Then I've also got three honorable mentions on here for when we're done with Nicholas's. All right. Well, we're going to be done with mine real fast because my number one is. Boris Karloff. I mean, there, there's a reason that he's become kind of the face of, of what Frankenstein is. Uh, my number two and my number three are Je- Justin's number one and two. Uh, <laughs> P- Peter Boyle and Fred Gwynn are, are my my two and three. Right on. So That's a good choice. <laughs> I knew um, Young Frankenstein was definitely going to be one of the choices <laughs> i i should have i i think i even thought when i was writing it down is that justin will have this one on his list but i I just it's too good for me not to to put it on my list yeah, yeah. It's it's su- such a good movie yeah sure, right. honorable mentions on your list i do i have frankenberry nice okay and phil hartman on snl <laughs> did frankenstein a number of times I do remember that. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Uh, I will say for runner-ups, Frankenstein Girls Will Seem Strangely Sexy by Mindless Self-Indulgence. The album cover has three cartoonish Frankenstein's monster-looking girls on it. So that counts. And uh, last is uh, Monster Dick by Sunday Jeff of Tell Him Steve Dave. (laughs) A rap about the Universal Monsters. Favorite oh, line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is like no one will ever get this reference at all unless you really list like Kevin Smith and Smodcast stuff. But uh um best line in that rap is uh <laughs> uh my dick ain't green and it don't got stitches. They call it monster because it's over 17 inches. So <laughs> Justin, what are your favorite? <laughs> Rudder ups. Oh, I should have 
should have went before you. Should have ended on that note. Uh, well, I put Lurch from the Adams Family. Oh, nice. Whether okay. whether it's the uh, the show, the movie, the cartoon, he's always one of the top top Frankenstein's monsters. Uh, number five, I put DC's Frankenstein because DC did a run with Frankenstein as well. It came out in 1948. So I think that's what Marvel ripping them off again. Uh, yeah. So about right. I mean, yeah, Marvel ripping off DC, DC ripping off Marvel. That's all they ever Every, do. Is- everyone ripping off Mary Shelley. Poor Mary uh, Shelley. The favorite one from that that I was kind of reading through, there's a, an alternate timeline of the Flashpoint event where Frankenstein was awakened during World War II and he attacks Nazi soldiers. Oh, that's cool. And I think he's, I don't remember what league he's currently in with Justice League Dark or he's in one of those kind of Justice League situations right now. So you you said that he did that during Flashpoint? There's a Flashpoint, one of the okay. Flashpoint events. So clearly they stole that storyline from Marvel because he was fighting Nazis with the Howling Commandos like way earlier than that. Oh. So they're just stealing from each other on yeah. Frankenstein's <laughs> monster. They probably <laughs> secretly work together. They pro- I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. quite honestly. All right, you're going to do this. We're going to do this. A couple of years, just all right. And then the final one I put on there was from the uh, Coca-Cola's Monster of the Gridiron Collector Cards. That came out in 1994. There's a John Elliott, and he's also known as Jumbo. And uh, he was an offensive tackle for the New York Giants from 88 to 95, and then from for the Jets from 96 to 2000. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Monsters, I remember that. That was – didn't they do that like a couple years in a row? They did it one year. Oh, okay. It was, it was only in 94, and they released – I don't remember how many is in the set, 30? Was it was Randall Cunningham one of the ones? Yeah, at the years of the rocket. I'd have to look. Okay. I've got yeah. I've got the whole collection, thanks to Jeremy. Oh yeah. And, and it's uh it's frame I kind of framed them up and now it's hanging on the wall in my hallway leading to my basement. Cool. Cool. <laughs> did so you not- have to did you like originally have to send away for those like back in the day? Is that how you got them originally? No, they would come in a little plastic sleeve and they would be inside boxes of Coca-Cola. And I think in like inside the package of pizza. Oh, wow. So That's... it was like, it was like Jack's pizza or two. I think it was Jack's Jack's and Coca-Cola did the promotion together. Yeah. You'd get what, like three cards, every box or. It was just one, and it was just oh, one, one, okay. one, one card in a little sleeve. So you'd have to get the whole collection by just sheer luck. Hmm. Yeah, every time you bought a box of coke, you're like, "Please let this be a different one." <laughs> right. Um, I, I remember that was back when like cereal boxes would do like their own like version of trading cards. So you'd be like, "Dad, buy me this cereal," because like you know, and they would put like a. Instead of getting a pack of like 10 to 12 cards or 15 cards, you'd get like a pack of three. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what Post branded a lot of that. Yeah, Post did a lot of those. Because then they also did like the player base, uh, baseball mini bobbleheads and stuff like that, like Giambi and Griffey. Yeah, I got a bunch Sosa. of those. I got a bunch of those in a box somewhere down in the basement. 
That's sweet. They need to bring that back. More stuff inside of our products. <laughs> yeah. I don't know All why right. they would ever stop. We get people like us now who had it when they were kids as adults. We'll buy it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, now, now that, well, I mean, we some of us don't necessarily have expendable income, but you know, that wouldn't stop me from trying. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, we don't, we, don't, we don't have any cereal. I'm going to get this one instead of this because it comes with free shit. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Like, what was I? I was, oh, I was watching uh, 1941 yesterday. That really weird, like, one of Steven Spielberg's worst films. <laughs> and there was a Cracker Jack box, and they, they, they opened up the, the box spilled out, and the prize, like, they opened up the prize, and it was actual, like, it was like a little tiny compass. Mm. And I was like, oh, I remember back when Cracker Jack's prizes used to be something other than just a sticker or a QR code. <laughs> like they were yeah. like real things yeah they were real they were just i mean it would be something cheesy like a little like a you know plastic compass that barely works you know yeah like if you if you were to try to use it in the real world you definitely would get lost but <laughs> <laughs> damn you cracker jacks was, all the compasses that should have been in the stock on ralphie's gun were just like wrapped in paper and thrown in the cracker jack box. <laughs> nice <laughs> all right well i've got a little couple paragraphs here that I wrote um, just to kind of finish off our, our discussion here. All right. So what is our fascination with the story? Why has it endured making the, this monster one of the more iconic of the, of the monsters? They've played him terrifying, the 1931 Boris Karloff or the 1994 De Niro. Or they've played him humorous, Peter Boyle or Fred Gwynn. Um, or the strangely bizarre uh, Andy Warhol's Flesh for Frankenstein or Frankenhooker. Um, <laughs> Why was that not on the list? Um, well, I mean, go. I mean, I've never seen it, but I've I've seen the pictures. It's uh, it's a 1994 movie called Frankenhooker. Yeah. All right. But either way, he has been used both effectively in horror and in kids' cartoons, but yet has never been given a name. It's been, it is, is it the hubris of man that believes that we can use science to conquer death or just the fear of science that it left unchecked will go too far? Maybe a strange combination of both. There are tons of uh, theories as to what this 18 year old girl who wrote this book meant when she created her now iconic character, but uh, basically on a bet in the year, um, in the year that was without a summer. Um, look that year up. It, there was a volcanic eruption that, that basically created a year where they never really had summer all year. It was just rainy and cold and dreary. Uh, like it put the world like it into a severe, not necessarily drought, but like it killed crops because there's it, it just it's a it was a terrible year for human history. Wow. Um, but most of them all bring their belief system into what they think she meant by it. You know, whether, you know, it be some sort of sexual repression or fear of death or it's the most every theory is, is you can tell is their own personal beliefs kind of getting into what they think she meant. Um, personally, I think much like Dracula or the Wolfman, he just captures that part of our imagination that likes to be scared. That small part of our brains that enjoy fear, even just a little, when we don't even realize that we are afraid. And I think that's why he works so well in comedy, that he can take that thing that scares us, make it humorous so that we can live with it. 
But for whatever reason, Frankenstein Monsters occupies that rare spot of where he is an icon among icons. He is probably on the Mount Rushmore of horror icons. That's fair. Yeah. So that is Frankenstein's monster. Nice. Woo. Well done. Hell of a start. There's a, I think Will Ferrell portrays him in Drunk History. If you, you watch that? I've seen it. I didn't see that one, but. There's one where they do uh, Frankenstein's monster with Mary Shelley. And I believe it's Will Ferrell is the monster and Seth Rogen might play Dr. Frankenstein. That's funny. That's a yeah, funny they, show. They, they talk about the the year without summer. They kind of reference that in there. Yeah, there's a there's a Doctor Who episode where Doctor Who ends up at the because um, Mary Shelley um, married Percy Shelley. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mary Shelley's last name was not Shelley when she wrote the book. It was something else, but that's all that anyone refers to. And there was somebody, some other famous author. There was three or four of these people holed up in a in a mansion somewhere out in in the you know countryside of England, and they like basically bet each other to like come up with the scariest of ghost stories. Wow! And uh, and that's what came from it. like, you know, I mean, I guess uh, Mary Shelley's father was also like a pretty famous poet or philosopher or both. So like you know that she she kind of maybe start ahead of the curve than most authors do, you know, at least in, in that time period, you know, having, I think, I think even her mother, I mean, although her mother died shortly after giving birth to her, which is where a lot of people put a lot of the, you know, the fear of death or the whole death mon, you know, montage um, into the whole Frankenstein's monster thing. But uh, it, uh, but she was a famous person as well. So, you know, there's a, a lineage there. So, I mean, maybe maybe I was giving her too much credit or not enough credit. I don't know. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's still it's still pretty fascinating to think that an 18-year-old in 1818, you know, 18, or 1816 is when she started writing it, um, managed to write a book that has endured so well, you know, 200 plus years later. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's it's incredible, truly. All right, well, good honor. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know if we have a good way of ending this episode because <laughs> I don't know if our normal ending fits. Uh, well, well, that's actually got a positive ending. Yeah. Okay, do we want to tease what's coming next week, or do we? Yeah, wanna... why don't we do All that? Right. Okay, yeah. so next. Uh, this is to remind you too of what we're actually talking about next week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is just for it, us. It, yeah, it's, it's definitely for uh, us. Next week, <laughs> next week we are going to be treading lightly into the world of cults. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're going to do a top three favorite cults, but uh, top three most joinable. <laughs> three, all right, top, we'll we'll have to work on what, what we'll do that do there because. I think if we have a top three favorite cult, that might get a little awkward. Uh, <laughs> what about favorite cult leaders? 
All right, maybe fascinating. Oh, top, top three fascinating, maybe because okay, a favorite. Okay, that's fa- yeah, favorite might be put us into some some very sketchy, <laughs> questionable territory. Favorite, joinable. There's probably some pop culture cult things though that we could put on our list. Right, like, some like yeah. not actual cults, like yeah. ones from movies or TV show. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. we'll figure it out. Yeah, have, yeah. We have, we all, yeah, we always out. make it up as we go. <laughs> we must figure it out on the ending of the show. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, hopefully everybody has been enjoying the the three days so far. Um, and you know, we have a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, what do we have horror- tomorrow? <laughs> Food review show number one: Halloween cereals. Okay, Ooh, that was a good one. That yeah, that that was a lot of fun. So we got some good stuff coming this month. Uh, you know, we got a few more themed episodes. Uh, we got some movie reviews. We got some some food reviews. We got some game shows. Uh, Jamie and Chris will be joining us again for some some arts and crafts again this year. Or are we? What are oh, we? probably not. But we do okay. have a fun barcode monster game that we did. Okay, all right. Jamie and Chris will be joining the 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 festivities. They will, yes, in some form, yes. And we, you, you have uh, three more episodes of Horror Through the Decades left for people to look forward to. to Okay, at this point. (laughs) So hopefully, you guys enjoyed Taurus Trap as much as I did. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So we we have some some interesting things coming up this month. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll join us for the rest of it. So, uh, pop culture roulette all. Stay spooky. <laughs> Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go.